Welcome back to season three of the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and root cause protocol consultant. I'm here to share my human experience as well as have powerful conversations with the leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The Human Experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, and normal human responses, and connecting emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The Human Experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The Human Experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. So thank you so much for being on The Human Experience Podcast, Meg. It is an honor to have you here and to speak to you and just to get to know you. I know we went to school together, but I feel like... um, I've just learned so much from your page and your story. So I want everyone to hear it because you are such an inspiration to many. Um, So for starters, for people who don't know about you, Meg, can you give us a little background and like how you got to become like an NTP and helping women? Yeah. So I'm really trying to get creative with how I can share this story because (laughs) people are always looking for my name and podcasts are going to be like, yeah, we know how you start. Like we know how you got started. Mm. But the truth is like, I know exactly how I started like in the caring about food and how I started to pay attention to how food works in my body. And it was a time in college, like I grew up playing a competitive uh, soccer my entire life. I was a competitive athlete and got to college, didn't want to play sports anymore, but was, you know, trying to learn about like what health was really had no clue. And I was, you know, eating, you know, foods like from the cafeteria, from like Jimmy John's. And I always make this same joke, but it is like the God's honest truth. Like I thought special K was like the end all be all. And like, whenever I see special K now, I'm like, wow, look at how far I've come because it was special K was always promoted as like such a health thing. And I was like, well, I'm having my special K in the morning, like being very healthy. Um, but it was, it was, you know, that's kind of just where I was at. And I remember having a conversation with my dad and my dad was like, you know, Meg, what are you eating? And we, I went over what I was eating and he was like, that's a lot of carbohydrates. And I was like, don't I need carbs? And we kind of talked about like, you know, how, you know, if you're not like an athlete as much, like how you may not need as much carbs. And of course my dad, he was health conscious. He actually played uh, semi-pro soccer too. And, you know, he had a lot of experience, but still not, not a ton in nutrition. So I, our conversation was super shallow and I was like, okay, so I don't need carbs. And I, I was really, really lost. And, um, my go-tos of where I was looking for information, you know, they weren't, they weren't online. They, it just wasn't a thing back in 2007 when I was in school. And, um, you know, I, I, I looked through magazines and, um, I started to kind of get involved in the bodybuilding culture and, um, and really just formed my diet and way of thinking around, what society and culture defined as health. And that was being super shredded. Um, and you know, waking up at, you know, grind and shine, like make sure that you're waking up and getting your workout in fasted cardio is the best way to lose the weight. Um, you know, kale smoothies all the way. And I was really just kind of like going after that. And my personality is very much like all or nothing. And I, I, again, same joke as usual. I'm definitely like the dad jokes. Like you come into my house and it's like, Meg, you've already said that joke, but it's the truth. Like I'm the all or nothing type of girl. And the first thing I ever did was want to run a full marathon. Like I'm like, yeah, let's run a full marathon. I've never run a race before, but let's do that. And that's very much my personality. And so when I was taking on these diet um, suggestions by culture, I was going extreme with them. Like I was going extreme and, um, and eventually it caught up to me to a point where I had no period. Um, I I was really having trouble losing weight. I was already pretty lean in general, but I was weightlifting at the time. And, you know, if you're weightlifting the, uh, uh, you know, the, the heavier weight you can lift, the less you weigh, the more, you know, competitive you can, you know, be at meets Mm -hmm. and such. And I just couldn't get past that. 
And eventually I realized through so many of similar stories that I hear my clients and I know that you hear is I went the conventional route. I asked for some blood work. Um, I was actually, I actually started out in knowing nothing about really like nutrition otherwise other than like how to manipulate it in the bodybuilding industry but learning about my period first which is usually opposite I feel like a lot of people learn about holistic medication uh, medicine or whatever and then their periods but mm-hmm. I was um I was just getting married and I you know wanted to not get pregnant right away and so I was learning fertility awareness method and I was like whoa all these books like all these health books that are teaching you about fertility awareness method are saying my menstrual cycle and my temps should be, you know, X, Y, you know, X, Y, Z. It should be a certain amount of days. It should be um, a certain amount of temps, uh, you know, 97.4 uh, to six in the follicular phase, 98.4 to six in the luteal phase. And mine was like 95.9. It was so wow. low. And I, I couldn't figure out any information of why my temps were low. And I don't know how I stumbled across it, but I did eventually hear some somebody say something about it could indicate low thyroid. This was like seven years ago, six, seven years ago. And so I went to a conventional doctor and I said, Hey, I need to get my labs tested. And they were, you know, did a TSH and a T4, which we know is not a full thyroid panel. And they, and I said, do you think like, it's something I'm doing? And he was like, honestly, no, like you're an athlete that it's, that's, that's super normal. Um, and I actually went to go see, I, um, after that, a, a midwife, and I, I asked the midwife thinking that they would be more holistically minded, same thing. She just wasn't aware. And, um, eventually found my way into functional medicine where, yeah, they were like, oh my gosh, you, you caused yourself hypothyroidism. Um, I had such low progesterone that they were like, you will definitely not carry a pregnancy. You need to work on that. And, um, candida overgrowth, you name it. I had it. And then, um, eventually the, I found that the functional medicine doctors were similar to the conventional where it was like, Hey, this test, this supplement, this test, this supplement. And I felt like, gosh, where's everybody like talking about the food? Like I can, can it not be the food? Like I had this innate instinct in me to, to start paying attention to the food. Um, and eventually that's what really led me to really caring about, um, a food first approach because food is so powerful on a molecular level. It can really change the difference between how our body responds to stress, how our hormonal cycle is, um, even just our, our brain and the way that we think. Um, and so I lead with a really food first approach in my practice and, um, very heavily, obviously go back to just like the core of who I am, which is talking about the menstrual cycle and, uh, really utilizing that as a tool. So that's a long way to say that basically I, I, through my own story of just up and down with culture and dieting, I found food and really wound up healing my body more than just throwing supplements at it. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. That's pretty much very similar to the story that I have. I think anyone who's entered this space, like you said, has done the, the diehard exercising and, um, dieting because that's the only way we've been taught, right? Just, um, going super hard, all or nothing. And you need to work out really hard in order to achieve the the goals that you want to. And I found, I don't know if you found this with yourself too, but being able to actually work out less and feeling better than I ever have before. Cause I, like you was, um, working out six days a week, lifting super heavy, um, was doing the fasted cardio because I I heard that, uh, helped, uh, burn fat a lot faster and, yeah. So I'm and so- it does feel good. Like at first the adrenaline right. of the stress feels really good. And, and that's the most confusing part when people are in the midst of, you know, fasting and, and doing, um, you know, six days a week of cardio when they're already burnt out, they may be on such adrenaline. And I know that you probably felt this at first. You're like, yeah, I actually, I actually feel really good. And it's hard to see, when, um, you are outside of it, like the damage that you're doing long-term. And actually when I take people through healing, what will happen is they'll actually feel more tired and more drained. And they're like, I'm actually feeling worse doing what you're asking me to do. And I'm like, no, your body's actually been this tired the entire time. You're just not running off of cortisol and adrenaline anymore. Mm -hmm. And then obviously eventually the body catches back up where it's fully healed and it can actually respond without just raising cortisol and stress hormones in order to, you know, continue on in this 
fight or flight response that it's it's demanded to step into when you're in such a you know high uh, go 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 pace with uh, exercising and under eating. Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely felt that way when I was um, entering the fitness world. That's how I got into all of this. Um, And I saw the lean muscle. I felt super in shape. Like I've never felt before. I was taking all of the pre-workouts and protein powders and BCAAs Mm -hmm. um, in order to achieve results and was being super rigid with my food regimen and was restricting and felt deprived, but nothing felt better than the, the, the high I was on. Right. Mm-hmm. But like you said, then all of a sudden it just, I don't know, for me, it just came crashing down. I first thing I noticed was lactose intolerance. Like all of these food sensitivities galore, just like hit the roof. Um, I couldn't tolerate dairy whatsoever. It was so embarrassing. And so when I finally got rid of it, I felt a million times better. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's it got to get rid of dairy forever. Um, and you know, discovering this whole metabolic sphere, I am so grateful that, and like the work of Weston A. Price. So Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, but anywho, I'm getting sidetracked. I want to talk about the female cycle because I know this is like your bread and butter and I want to learn more. And I think a lot of women that I speak to don't even know about the, the phases of the menstrual cycle. And, um, are not aware of attempts and pulses and think that they can get pregnant like any day throughout the cycle. And so I just want to dive into the the four phases um, and how you break them down and attempts and pulses and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I make it really simple because if you're just starting out with understanding the menstrual cycle, to me, it was really confusing learning the four, four phases. I was always just like, wait, which was what? So I actually just break it down into two. I just say the flecular phase and the luteal phase. And what breaks that up is ovulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier for me to understand. So that's how I teach it. But I mean, it can be broken up into obviously four ways as well. But for, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to look at it like the flecular phase, luteal phase, and then ovulation. So The follicular phase is the first half of your cycle and um, follicular first, follicular first. And us as women, the best part about us is that we are, there's an author that wrote this. I think she wrote the book Roar. And then I know like the book Flow talks about it, but they use this language saying women are not small men. And I think that's so so powerful because we aren't like our biological system fluctuates monthly and our hormones fluctuate monthly. And so, you know, men's have, have a 24 hour hormonal cycle clock where we are shifting up and down. And that may feel like, Oh, like, of course, like we're, we're so hormonal. We've got all these things going on, but like, it's actually such an empowering thing. And as I talk about this cycle, I'd love to just kind of squeeze in like little things that we can do to like utilize our cycle for, um, just empowering what we're doing and, you know, our passion, our life or, you know, whatever. So anyway, first half molecular and this first half of the cycle, this is where, uh, estrogen begins to rise and, um, it lasts anywhere between 10 to 23 days. So it's the pre-ovulatory phase. And on average, most people will have this follicular phase be around 15 days. And if you're taking your basal body temperature, which is basically you first wake up in the morning, you put a thermometer in your mouth, and I recommend leaving it in anywhere for five to 10 minutes to get a most accurate um, reading on the thermometer. When you pull it out uh, in the follicular phase, it should be around 97.6. When it's lower than that, that's a really good indication, as you mentioned, that your metabolic system is being low. And just a side note here, when we're talking about the metabolic system, we're not talking about weight gain, weight loss. We're talking about how every metabolic, uh, you know, uh, system, so your digestive system, how your hormones, how your um, even immune system are impacted by the function of the body. So Every cell in our body has a thyroid receptor and it's controlled by the metabolic system. So again, when we're, when I'm saying metabolism, I'm not talking about weight loss, weight gain. I'm talking about how your body's able to function optimally. Mm -hmm. 
So we know when we're looking at a temperature of 97.6, if anything's below that, that means that the body's running a little bit low. It's, it's slower. And when we have a slower metabolic system, we have a slower digestive system. When our digestive system is lower, this is where we can have uh, our, uh, you know, our food's not digesting. We can have leaky gut. Leaky gut leads to pathogens overgrowing, which only feeds things like, which we can talk about later on, but iron, estrogen, and then just continues to uh, perpetuate this just body of really stress, high stress, high dysfunction. And believe it or not, you can actually get ahead of that by just taking your basal body temperature and seeing where you're at and how it compares to the 97.6 time, you know, uh, range in that basal body temperature. So um, that's how you're looking at it. Follicular first half, estrogen begins to rise. It's around 10 to 23 days, average 15. Uh, basal body temperature should be 97.6. But here's where it's really amazing. Like I said, we can actually use it to um, help us as women just accomplish more. When we're in this phase, we tend to uh, be really creative and really good at like brainstorming and getting our, you know, like, especially I was just at a speaking at an entrepreneur summit and I was talking to these entrepreneurs and I was saying like, this is the time where you are really like setting your intentions and thinking about like what you want to get done. Like our ability to accomplish that in this uh, part of the cycle is, is, is higher than any other time in our cycle. And we have this advantage to really just be creative and be our most like, um, I mean, a creative self to be able to get all the things that we want to do out of life. And so we can really utilize that. And the cool thing too with this, and you know, I'm like I said, I'm like a little fitness geek is that we can actually use our menstrual cycle for our benefiting our workouts. And, and actually when we go against our cycle for our workouts, that can actually leave us drained and tired. And then we're not just our best selves in the world. Like we're, you know, we're drained, we're tired. So in this first half of the follicular phase, this is where you can do a little bit more, I guess, cardio-based workouts where I'm not, I don't push cardio at all. Um, one, I don't like to like, it's just not within my personality. I want to lift as heavy as the boys, but two, you know, it's just not always that great for you. But in this first half, our body can tolerate it more. So if you are somebody that just really does enjoy going for a run, you know, or you are somebody that, um, I, I sincerely have a friend that loves Stairmaster. I, I don't know why, but she just feels like she's like hiking and, you know, you know, Georgia has some mountains, but that's like way up North. I'm in Atlanta. And so I don't know if that's it, but this is the time of the, mu of the month where you can actually utilize the cardio where it's going to be for your advantage and not really put more stress on your body. That's so good to know. I have a quick question about the basal yeah. body, uh, temperature. So are you using just a regular basal body thermometer or how do you feel about, um, like those other fertility monitors, like uh, temp drop, for example. I think that if you are doing, so I, yes, I use an oral thermometer just like off of Amazon. Everybody asks me for a brand. I'm like the cheapest one off of Amazon. That's what I do. <laughs> um, so um, it doesn't really matter to be honest with you. It just matters about being consistent in the thermometer that you're using as far as long as it's oral. So my thing with some of the other brands is that it's not um, accurate. And they will say this too, that it's not accurate for seeing like where your metabolic system is at, where your thyroid is at. The only really accurate way to do that is by getting an oral thermometer and doing it that way. And so there's an endocrinologist, Dr. Brada Barnes, and he actually used to, um, and, and still does or did in his practice, uh, take the temperature to see how your thyroid was. I can't remember when it was, I don't know if it was in the 1960s or what, but like they actually only used to rely on uh, uh, oral basal body temperature to see how your thyroid was. Eventually we got into blood work and blood work is great. It can be really helpful. I always encourage that you get it, but it's not the end all be all because it's only showing like it's the little highways in the blood of where the thyroid hormone is being utilized or not, but it's not showing how every cell in the body is actually, remember every cell has a thyroid receptor is utilizing this thyroid hormone. So um, that's why we, when we're, when we're actually using the thermometer in comparison to our basal body temperature to see how we're 
healing and or whatever, we want to use oral. But some of the other ones that you wear, um, like on your upper arm or your wrist, I do prefer more of an upper arm because it's closer to your armpit. That's a little bit uh, more of an accurate basal body temperature, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Those are really great if you're just like, I just want to do this for fertility awareness. You know, I'm not necessarily concerned about my basal body temperature, but I do care enough to see where I'm at lengthwise. Like Meg, you talked about the average follicular phase is 15 days. I noticed mine is, you know, uh, 28 days. What does that mean? And you're really gauging where the length of your cycle and confirming ovulation, which is still really powerful because you can still tell a lot based on, you know, whether you're ovulating, how long your follicular phase is. Um, and, uh, it just doesn't give you the accurate reading of the, um, thermo- um, the thyroid. That's good to know. And then it's a really helpful tip with the, the keeping it in your mouth for five to 10 minutes. And that has to be done as soon as you wake up, right? Right. Or getting to bed, rolling over and then putting it in. And like, as you know, somebody that wants to sleep in on the weekends and, you know, just, you can just note that in your app. Like I actually love the Kendara app. That's my favorite. There's so many great ones out there, but Kendara is my favorite. Um, and you can just note it, go back to bed. But if you're somebody that's really not going to wake up, and you're using this as a form of birth control, then definitely get the ones that you wear because the ones that you wear are gonna still, you can sleep in and they're gonna still collect the right temperature for you without you having to wake up. And mm-hmm. you know that's where, that's where fertility awareness method, it's you know 99.9% effective if you're able to do it correctly, but it does require effort. And if you're somebody that wants the least amount of effort and doesn't mind the thyroid piece, then wearing it would be good. Yeah. That's good. Um, sorry to interrupt you. You can go back no. to the, uh, the second phase, I guess you're moving on yeah. to. No, this is great. I feel like these are questions that people have and that, you know, and I, I know that you probably get it in your DM too. And I always forget like the simple things <laughs> that people ask about like, well, what library or what thermometer do I use? Um, <laughs> But so speaking of uh, basal body temperature, you know, that leads us into the uh, going, what breaks up the second half, which is the main event, and that's ovulation. And ovulation is so important because this is what strengthens our bones, our hearts, our brain health. And ovulation is um, confirmed by uh, temperatures that are three to four days uh, in a row high. So if you just have one random temperature, that is high, that does not indicate that you've ovulated. It has to be at least three or four days high um, and then continues on high to the luteal phase. So what makes the temperature rise is actually the, uh, the hormone progesterone. So we mentioned that in the follicular phase, estrogen begins to rise. It's at its peak during ovulation. And then progesterone begins to rise by something called the corpus luteum that can only happen after ovulation. And so you're confirming ovulation by two different things, cervical mucus. And this is like discharge. I remember when I was a little girl or not little girl, but like a teenager, I went to my doctors and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like I have something in my underwear and I'm not sure what's going on. And I was so embarrassed to tell my mom, like, I just didn't know. I asked my mom to leave the room and, um, it was such a normal thing. And she was just like, it's normal, but never gave me an explanation. And I was always really embarrassed by it. And now, you know, as we learn about like fertility awareness method and how amazing cervical mucus is, it is, it's like, of course our body does something so amazing. So cervical mucus or discharge comes during the fertile window and that's where it's appropriate, right? So if we see it outside of the fertile window, which I'll give more detail in a second, then we know our body needs more healing. Another insight and tool to see where our body may or may not need, um, you know, more support. So cervical mucus comes from anywhere from two to seven days nearing the ovulation uh, timeframe. You ovulate one day, but you do have a fertile window where there's a chance to get pregnant two to seven days out of the, out of the month. So about a week, if you're using this for um, preventing, you know, a pregnancy, this is where you want to be really careful of avoiding. Anytime you see cervical mucus, you want to be careful to, to, to not get pregnant because cervical mucus's job is basically uh, to capture sperm, feed sperm, and take sperm where it needs to go. So it's actually a really amazing natural process in the body. And it even has different textures as you get closer to ovulation based on the estrogen levels in your body. So as estrogen increases, the cervical mucus will actually create like different pathways where it will make the sperm more slippery 
to go to, you know, where it needs to, to go to, to make a baby. So, um, it, you'll it'll start off really sticky. You'll, you'll probably like, if you were to touch it between your, uh, your thumb and your, uh, index finger, it would be like just really sticky and, and, um, fall apart really easy. And then it usually gets to kind of like a creamier state. And then people, you know, use different words to describe the sensation or the texture, but, um, you can see pictures if you're confused at where you're at. But then it gets to kind of like an egg whitey and then it gets to really sticky where some people are even sitting down on the toilet and they just notice it come out. That's like, girl, you're ready to make a baby. So be careful if you don't want to. And if you're trying, now's the time to make it happen. But um, so that's just the rise of estrogen. And then, as I mentioned, the progesterone rises uh, from the corpus luteum after that. And again, this is so, so important because so much of our um healing state requires enough progesterone to oppose estrogen. So to have the right proper balance of estrogen, I'm sure you, if you read any of your posts, my posts, or people just in any kind of the health industry, we're really big on estrogen dominant. We talk often about estrogen dominance. And that's usually because there's, there's so many forms of estrogen that we're getting in our body, whether that's from um, being on birth control, where it's suppressing hormones and, um, and then estrogen becomes dominant from that specifically suppressing ovulation and progesterone, um, or phytoestrogens from our foods, or xenoestrogens from our chemicals, uh, like synthetic form of estrogens. Estrogen rises in our body. It's so easy to become estrogen dominant, become, you know, people will say, well, my blood work actually showed, my Dutch test showed I'm low in estrogen. I would say mm, that's that's probably really, really rare because of the amount, like you think about the amount of estrogen we're getting everywhere. We're breathing in xenoestrogens everywhere in our, in our just environment alone. And, um, and so many people are delaying ovulation or putting off ovulation. Uh, and by putting it off, I mean, you know, uh, subsiding it based off of a birth control. And, um, and without ovulation, we're and not making enough progesterone, it's really hard to break down estrogen. Progesterone is supposed to break down estrogen. Not only that, but progesterone is a, uh, an incredible anti-stress hormone. It promotes high, um, uh, high functioning metabolic system. It supports the metabolic system, thyroid. So it's really, really important that we do ovulate, that we do make enough progesterone. Um, and, um, yeah, that's really important for that. So once we get into ovulation, like what else can I say about progesterone? <laughs> um, so once we get into ovulation, that's when we get into, uh, once we've ovulated, confirmed it, that's when we go into that luteal phase, which is the last half of the cycle. And the luteal phase is really where you are, um, uh, your body's kind of slowing. Oh, the workouts. I'm sure people want to know this. I'll oh, say that really quickly with the yeah. ovulation. So ovulation uh, stays uh, that when hormones are its highest. Um, I think this is so amazing. And uh, the women that are really good about doing this, I love it. But that's the time like to listen, if you're all about Instagram, like that's the time to market yourself and get yourself on pictures, get your photos taken, record videos. That's the time to present, be social, like our body during ovulation when the hormones are really heightened, our body is, is trying to attract other people. So it actually will give us like the best hair days, best skin. We'll be really like vivacious. And um, our, you'll notice like we should feel really good during ovulation. Energy should be really high. And that's the time where we can really utilize like you know, some of our harder workouts, of course, if you're in a real a state of healing, we're not, we're not talking about that, but if you're in a really healthy state, you can, you know, uh, push through a little bit, maybe lift a little bit harder on your, on your workouts. Um, and I think it's really interesting when let's say you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but actually I feel like extreme PMS during ovulation. Um, the only time I feel good is during that follicular phase ovulation from then on, I feel terrible that's where we're looking back at that estrogen dominance. Because remember, I talked about estrogen is low in the follicular phase, goes high, starting up to ovulation, and then remains high and then starts to crash again right before your period where hormones are at its all-time lowest. So we're really looking at um, estrogen dominance and excess estrogen um, when we are um, feeling like PMSE are really low in emotional during ovulation. So again, it's another fifth vital sign to see what's going on in our body. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And as far as exercise goes, like strength training. Yes. During this time. Okay. 
Yeah, for sure. Strength pain, strength training. If you, um, I, I don't know, like I, I'm always weary to say any type of hit because I find most women are not actually in a state of healing enough to be able to take on a hit type of workout, yeah. but let's say that you were healthy enough. That would be a time where you'd be able to push through a little bit more. But I think strength training at this point is like the best because your body's able to push through, recover. And, um, and you know, the more muscle you have, the leaner you get, the more the aesthetics that, you know, most women are actually trying to, um, achieve. So, um, then we get into our luteal phase. Our luteal phase is the last half of the cycle. Uh, progesterone starts high in the second half and then goes low, as I mentioned. And, um, and then during this half of the cycle, if, you know, it should be anywhere from 10 to 16 days, if it's less than that, or people are like, I'm always getting my period. That's again, where we're looking at low progesterone, excess estrogen, um, the ratio being off if they're spotting or having heavy bleeding or cramping. Again, thinking about progesterone um, being low, estrogen being high. And during this per first part of the half of the luteal phase is where you kind of can become like a little bit more like, oh gosh, like you're looking around and you know, all you want to do is organize things and you're nesting a lot and you want to tie up everything on their loose ends. That's that natural, uh, uh, you know, thought to really want to get things done. Go with that because that's the time of this cycle where we really can, from the push of the follicular phase where we're brainstorming, we're getting things done, you know, ovulation, we're, we're producing content or, you know, getting all the meetings done. Now we start to calm down from that, tie up everything, organize it all, you know, e email everybody back, put everything in your little Google Docs, whatever you do. And then, um, and then by the time you're in the second half of your cycle, you can rest, you can honor your body's um, just natural cycle to really slow down. Same thing with workouts. Some people in the first half of the luteal phase feel really good. They're ready to continue to work out. And some people actually want to slow down from there. Totally fine. And going into that second half of the luteal phase, which is again, hormones are really, really low. Um, but I think that's really like the basics and the foundations of the hormonal cycle. And I yeah. know it's a lot of information if you've not heard it before, but there are so many resources and books that can teach you how to utilize it. But as you can see, it's like hormones fluctuate throughout the month. It's a really good thing. We can utilize it for our health and to get things done. And we can utilize it to say, I need to stop. I need to slow down. My body's talking to me. There's something wrong that may or may not show up in blood work. Yep. And I wish this was something that we learned in school. Like when we first got our periods, um, this should be a part of like health education. Um, so we become familiar with this because the other option that we're often left with when it comes to um, preventing pregnancy is just simply popping a pill like birth control and not becoming familiar with our body's uh, cycles and stages that it goes through, especially as women. And um, I love that you mentioned books because when I started to dive into this like three years ago, four years ago, whatever, um, reading uh, Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, and then most recently, um, The Fifth Vital Sign by Lisa Hendrickson, mm -hmm. Hendrickson Jack. Um, she's so awesome. And she has a, a podcast too, Fertility Friday, and um, that's her Instagram account too. So for anyone who's looking for more resources and just like pictures and an understanding, I think the whole point of it is, is that, yeah, it's going to require a little bit more effort. It's not simply just, you know, taking a pill and, um, suppressing anything, any prior symptoms too, because I know a lot of women get on the pill in order to suppress like PMS, any, um, acne or I don't know, whatever symptoms that they're experiencing. Um, so they don't have to feel them anymore. And that ends up doing more harm. And I'm all for doing what's best for your body and what feels good for you at the time, but also being empowered and informed of yeah. everything that you're putting into your body too. So I love that we're talking about this. I know it's a lot to unpack, but, um, I think you have a lot of, uh, great posts about this too. So for anyone who, um, is looking for more visuals and information more than what we just uncovered. Um, it'll take time, but you can go to Meg's uh, Instagram account too. So, as far we kept bringing up estrogen, and this is something that I dealt with too when I ran my Dutch test in 2018, was zero progesterone, um, and my estrogen wasn't quite high, but it was like the the ratio rate um, between estrogen and progesterone. Um, so it looked like ex excess estrogen or estrogen dominance in relation to progesterone. And I knew nothing at the time. I was like, what is estrogen? What is progesterone? But you had mentioned like seeing, um, and I've seen this too with clients who exhibit like uh, hypothyroidism or uh, slow metabolisms in general, but 
I've seen low estrogen come back on a Dutch test. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. So I I've since learned about like estrogen getting stuck in the tissues and so forth. So I wanted to talk about that and the relation it has to iron. If you have any insight. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think it's important again to kind of, when we're, when we're thinking like, I just don't understand how my body could, um, how could it even, you know, get stuck in the tissues? <laughs> it's like, why, how could I, how could I have low, low estrogen, you know, like how could that even be? And, and yet somehow still have, it, how could low estrogen show up on a test and yet still somehow, um, I feel these excess estrogen, you know, type of symptoms that you're describing, but like, it's not showing up. And I think the biggest thing to think about is going back to the simple fact of like, it is so rare that we are actually not, um, that we're, that we're staying away from all the things that promote estrogen. Again, not to keep repeating myself, but those you know, estrogens, those, um, uh, phytoestrogens and, um, just the, the, the thought of, again, the, uh, the need for progesterone in our body. Um, I think, uh, uh, nutritional researcher Ray Pete, uh, says this so well, where he says, actually progesterone is the women's hormone. It's not estrogen. It is progesterone because progesterone is so important. And when we think about stress, and how stress impacts our body, we have to think about, you know, the biological, I guess, cascade of how stress uh, just turns into different things in our body. So let me, let me explain what that means. So when we have stress, there's cortisol and cortisol can actually bind to progesterone and, uh, and a lower progesterone and cortisol becomes the main dominant um, hormone. So it, you rarely hear a woman say, I'm just like really relaxed. Like this is a really calm season in my life. Like I just feel like every, I'm not really worried about anything. Everything feels really good. And that's great. There were definitely seasons where that can happen, but especially being honest with like the climate of the culture today, the demands that we all put on ourselves, not only from diet culture's perspective, identity, like who we think we need to be. Um, but also just like the things that we have to take on and the emotional capacity that we just take on naturally as a woman, you know, thinking about the future, thinking about buying toilet paper for the family, like you just think and to carry a lot. And so as we're doing this, as just like a modern day woman, progesterone is lowering and cortisol is taking over. And I, I know we're talking about low estrogen here, but that matters because if we're consuming all these xenoestrogens, if we're consuming all these phytoestrogens, estrogen is going higher and higher and higher in our body and we have no progesterone to break it down. And so eventually what happens, estrogen literally gets stuck into our tissues and we are not even seeing it on our blood work or our Dutch panel. And so what will happen is when we have an estrogen dominant state, estrogen and iron can actually feed each other. So if you've ever heard before, like, no, I am, um, I'm anemic, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, show that I have low iron in the blood, you know, I would probably, and I know you would too, or we're both back in school for this. I would say, well, you know, let's take a second look here because we know that estrogen and iron work off of each other. And let's look at all the places that we're getting iron. Similarly, similarly to estrogen, where we're getting it in phytoestrogens, xenoestrogens, and we're not making enough progesterone to break down estrogen the way that it should be. So it's getting stuck in the tissues. We're getting iron from birth control. Birth control has iron in it. And how many people are on birth control? You're on it for what? I don't know, four years, 12 years, 20 years, 30 years. That's pretty common nowadays. And not only that with birth control, but birth control can almost be compared to an antibiotic where it destroys your gut microbiome. And we're 10 to one bacteria. We are more bacteria than human cells. So if we're destroying our gut microbiome or our gut bacteria, then we're allowing pathogens to grow. Well, guess what happens when pathogens are growing? They're feeding estrogen, they're feeding iron in our body and they're, or they're increasing estrogen, they're feeding iron and our body's becoming more estrogen dominant and more iron um, dominant or iron overload is happening in our body. Yeah. So we're getting in our birth control. Um, those two ways we're getting it in fortified foods, whether or not we're eating, you know, the pastas and the breads anymore. We grew up, most of us certainly grew up eating fortified foods, which is really important to think about. And then we're getting it in our supplementation. I mean, for so long, I, I you mentioned, you want to, uh, 
I just had a, a miscarriage and you, you know, if we wanted to go over that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the craziest things since I just had a miscarriage was I just redid all my lab work again because I'm like, gosh, this is all my blood work is coming back normal. My, my temps are coming back normal. Like what could I be missing? Well, when I actually did a full panel of um, more than just the CBC, like we did a, a bunch of different blood work, I actually found that iron overload and in my hair tissue mineral analysis was still so abundant in my body. Yeah. And I'm doing all these things, you know, as of the last couple of years, or I would say really last year rather, to decrease iron. But being in holistic health for so many years, all I was doing was Seed cycling. I remember seed cycling are, um, I guess I shouldn't say remember, I didn't even talk about this yet, but seed cycling <laughs> are PUFAs, polyunsaturated fats. Polyunsaturated fats will increase estrogen and therefore have a result in increasing iron. And the other thing that I was doing on a regular basis, being in the holistic field, was taking zinc like it was my job. When you read some of these books that are talking about hormonal health, they are saying, take zinc, take zinc, take zinc. You want good egg health? You want good sperm health? Take zinc. Well, what happens when we take these zincs or even vitamin D is we're depleting something called bioavailable copper and bioavailable copper is incredibly important at, um, at supporting this enzyme ferrooxidase, which basically moves iron in and out of the blood appropriately. So, you know, that is when, when, when we're, when we're taking on these supplements that are depleting bioavailable copper and even magnesium, magnesium holds over. 42% of the enzymatic functions in our body, we're depleting of all that, then our body is be increasing in iron overload, increasing in estrogen. It's getting stuck in the tissues, even the iron. And we are coming back just with all these symptoms and all these blood work are just repeating the same things yet we're taking in all these medications. We're taking in the iron, we're taking in the medications to help with hormones and doing the seed cycling. And we're just getting worse and worse and worse. And that's where I would say it's actually, it, this is how it's stuck in the tissues based on all those uh, fortified foods and the, you know, the um, xenoestrogens and then the way that we're getting in iron um, with, you know, the birth control, the depletion of important minerals that move iron. And from that, we're creating a body that is excess estrogen stuck in the tissues, iron overload and wreaking havoc in this oxidative stress. And when we're talking about oxidative stress. All we're saying is like, there's a bunch of free radicals running around causing inflammation, causing stress. And we're just like, I'm doing everything that holistic health has told me to do. I've taken out the dairy. I have seed cycled. I have eaten, you know, all the Siete cashew butter, whatever it is that they ask for, and I'm not feeling better. And I propose that look of like, why don't we look deeper and see what's happening when we just take that approach? Yeah. That answer your question. Oh my God. No, it more than answers it. And that's, we need this information to reach the masses because yeah, as soon as I entered this health space, I mean, I'm one, I am so grateful for even finding like holistic health in general. Yes, absolutely. But, um, there's, there's more information to it. There, there's a deeper underlying root cause. So I, I always thought like, gosh, it's my candida overgrowth. That's causing all of this. My hormonal balances, I got to get rid of it. Got to get rid of it. And then I discovered like the metabolism, like we've always heard of it. Like you were saying earlier is like weight gain, weight loss. And I'm like, I've always known myself to have like a really slow metabolism in general, just as a growing up as a child, I always dealt with like weight issues and was always battling that myself day in and day out. But all of this, when you really sit down and think about it, it makes so much sense. Like biologically, I don't know if you found this too, but like ever since, um, I used to just pound the nuts and seeds when I transitioned over to this lifestyle. And now that I am consuming dairy and more butter and, um, especially the butter, I don't crave the nuts and seeds anymore at all whatsoever. They just don't seem nourishing to me. And they contain an abundance of polyunsaturated fats that um, have probably already been exposed to heat, light, or oxygen in the first place. So by the time they reach you, same thing with fish oil and stuff, it's already rancid, causing more oxidative stress and free radicals and so forth, so forth, creating disease in the body. So it just makes sense. And I love everything that we're learning inside of um, the root cause protocol with bioavailable copper. I'm just like, what? Why haven't we heard of copper? Like this is like the first time ever I'm hearing about copper. Yeah. Yeah. It's been zinc the entire time. Yep. Yeah. And I think I, I love that you brought this point up because it, 
I, I would hate for somebody to hear and feel super discouraged or, or even as a practitioner feel so turned off because we're like, Hey, we you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want you to hear the negative of like, you're not doing it right. What I, what I would really hope and you know, that the desire for you to hear a message like this is that there is more and you always have to question everything. And that's an okay and a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're not feeling better, then maybe dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. And these are the resources that you can do because everybody starts somewhere. You know, I used to recommend seed cycling. I was doing the best thing that I thought I could do based on the you know resources in front of me. And I would never want to hurt anybody. And I know that sometimes this can be a really hot topic for people where people feel like almost attacked. And I would mm-hmm. hate for people to miss the message because they feel like we're saying it, you're doing something wrong. And I, I think that's a really good point that you brought up because it's like, no, it, you know, it's, it's about, it's about learning, adjusting, um, and kind of like, okay, well, what else is going on? And we can't possibly know everything. Right. Yeah. So it's really being adaptable to be able to learn and take it on and say, oh gosh, I think I got that one wrong. And then, yeah. and be totally okay with that. I remember having conversations. I had a client re-sign up with me. She got pregnant. She re-signed up with me and she was like, you used to tell me to seed cycle. And I was like, Hey, yeah, I did. And here's what I learned. And here's why I learned that. And you know, your body's not like completely destroyed from doing that. This is what we can do to come around that. And everybody's body, our bodies are resilient. And this is where, you know, it comes back to so much of like, you can, you can talk about all the bioavailable copper and you can talk about the magnesium and you can eat all the right things. But if you're not actually spending time having fun and, you know, doing like resting and, and that our bodies become less resilient to the, Mm -hmm. to maybe the, you know, all the nuts and seeds that we pounded down. And, um, and, you know, speaking of my miscarriage for women that may want to, you know, hear that side of it, I think that, so first of all, it takes two to make a baby. Some people forget that. Some people are just so quick to be like, well, you know, girl, what are you doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there's two, takes two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the, the biggest thing I, I think I did talk about the iron overload, but the biggest thing that we are coming with our practitioner, my friends, actually our practitioner She's with the nourishing tree. Her name is English. And she's such a kind, sweet person. And we've done all the labs with her. And she's like, ultimately, yeah, there is iron overload. There's some dysfunction, but y'all need to calm down. Like if you guys do not learn to calm down, your body's never going to rest. And it is the hardest thing as a type A personality, as that girl that goes and runs the full marathon before everything, anything else, like to actually slow down. And, you know, before we started this podcast, I was explaining to you the podcast I'm starting, the project I'm working on and the amount of clients that I have. And it's like, girl, you just had two miscarriages back to back. What are you doing? Like, I really sincerely stress this so much because it's the hardest part for even me as somebody that understands. And I'm, and I, you know, to learn the, the things that you have to do in order to, to say, or to, to really heal. And it's not just about the poop is that you took in that you did wrong. It's also about, Hey, you've got to spend time and rest. And again, I just want to preference that it takes to my husband's also in, um, paramedic school, went back to school to finish his degree in fire investigation mm-hmm. and, and as a firefighter. So he's at wow. one of the busiest stations in Atlanta, like on an everyday basis, he has two to three fires a night, which is really unheard of for firefighters. Unless you're in California, usually you're doing fires like once a year, like, cause you know, they're like suburbs, you know, but my husband's in an area where they actually have them quite frequently and quite frequently as he is resting. So I say that from a, a really humble point of view is that we can have all the knowledge in the world and from one practitioner to another practitioner that may be listening, you know, don't take this information and be down on yourself or feel like you were doing it all wrong. Because even when you're doing all the right things, like I believe I am, if you're still not putting in the time of resting, scheduling, having fun, having sex, like then you're not going to completely heal. And that's the current season I'm, I'm in is like, I know all the things, but how do I slow back down? Mm-hmm. I understand that. I am very much that type A person along with you. I don't know. Um, Teresa, from- of course you are. You run an entrepreneur. <laughs> You're not an entrepreneur. I run a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I've always had this like go, go, go type of mentality and crossing everything off the to-do list. Like I felt so productive and so worthy. And if I didn't do that, if I had a day where just, I didn't cross anything off the list for some reason, like 
it just didn't feel good. And like having to sit with myself and do nothing and like to hold my fingers and actually rest, it just, it is hard. It is hard, but it must be a priority. And the constant researching and stuff too, that will keep on, keep you in a fight or flight state. I often get DMs like, Hey, do you have resources for this? Like, I'd love to like, just, um, you know, learn more and like, yes, absolutely empower yourself, but keep in mind that, reading all the books and, you know, I, I, one time I read like 10 books at a time. Like, how did I yeah. do that? Why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this eagerness to learn more and have all of the right answers, but it really is like, we're human. We, we have, we're not robots and we, we, we need that pause button. And I, I love that you said that incorporating more play because that should be a part of everyone's protocol. If you are making this lifestyle change, um, being less rigid with yourself and not making self-care to do to do list like I have, because that became something that I did. I knew all the things, the self-care items that made me feel good, like reading, meditating, journaling, you know, all those things are great, but I started making it like a to-do list. Um, and I, that really sucked the joy mm -hmm. out of things like that. So I don't know, I can, I, I hear that so often from so many women and it's like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm eating all the right things. Like nutrition is just one piece of it. Um, yeah. but it's like the things we should have learned was fertility awareness and really challenging ourselves to learn what uh, how our personality de-stresses and obviously it changes with age, like in kids and, you know, mm -hmm. your life, but like, Absolutely. could you imagine if we learned those two school, those two tools as a young age and we developed like learning the discipline to Sabbath and rest and put in structure around like your, the priority. And like, that's where like, not to go off on a tangent, but like, that's where America does it wrong. Like we are go, 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 compare, 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 go, 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 not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And then we're like, why am I sick? Why am I sick? And then, you know, we have people like us, like, let me figure out all the answers of why you're sick, but then we're not also slowing down as well. And I, again, you already know that I'm coming from a really like humbled place of learning, like, okay, my body needs to slow down. And, um, it, but how I always think about, like, I just wish at a young age, I learned the tools to slow down. And I think that also goes back to the, to identity, because I wish that I knew that how productive I was, what I, I could accomplish, how people looked at me of like feeling the need to feel like good enough. And, um, exactly what society had asked of me. I wish that I felt confident enough. And that was spoken into me at a young age, because I can't imagine what I would have been able to, and not that I'm doing bad. I like, Hey, listen, I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing a pretty good job, but I can't imagine like the, the amount that I would have been able to just not even accomplish, but like live my life fully. If I was able to like pick my head up and breathe a little bit rather than feel never good enough. And that's where like, again, I, I feel like identity is such a huge part. And if you're in the state of healing and desperately not feeling better and doing all the metabolic things and you can't figure it out, I would spend time in therapy. I would spend time learning, trying out things. Is it baths? Is it showers? Is it going for a walk outside? Is it like, like for me, I, if you follow my Instagram, you, people probably think I'm, you know, crazy because I will always listen to like really crazy fun music and I will just dance dance because I'm not a good dancer but I just love it like I don't yesterday I was in my mirror and like I know I'm not the only one that does this I was taking my little bronzer brush and I was just like dancing up a storm and I was you know like holding the mic up to my, you know, to the mirror. And I was like, oh, I wish I could sing, by the way, I'm really good at lip syncing. Um, and I was just like, okay, this feels good. Like, this is what I need more of. And I just wish that I was confident enough at such a young age to spend time resting, mm -hmm. which is, yeah. Well, we're not told that. Yeah. By really anyone, it's always like do more and do more in order to succeed. Right. We're getting the wrong message as, as children. Um, but I see that changing and I'm really hopeful and that's a good thing. Um, so what other than singing and dancing, what other things are you doing to slow down so that your body is, um, well, while you're doing all the right things with nutrition and lifestyle mm -hmm. factors, but what is helping you slow down? The biggest thing is not feeling like, and this is coming from a you know, somebody that similar to you that wants to answer questions when people have them, or even like, feel like I have to prove myself. If someone says something like, Oh, I'll find you the study. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, this may be really silly, but like not going through my DMS as much and, and answering them. And I feel, I, I feel guilty in some capacity because I want to people to know I care for them. And I, and I want to answer all the questions, but, and I'm in a season of like, where I need to put up more boundaries. 
So that's one of them as silly as that is, is like not going through my DMs, but for other people that may look like just not going on Instagram at all, that's not, that's not possible. It's not something like I feel called to do. I don't feel called to take a detox or anything like that. I just feel called to being balanced with it, which I wasn't. And, um, and then the, the second thing that I, I really, really do, or I guess third thing is I have been spending so much time reaching out to community because of my back-to-back miscarriages it has made me feel like really heartbroken. I mean, obviously, right? Like I've been trying for a year to get, get pregnant. We know now it's because of my husband and I's stress. You know, uh, there's nothing else crazy going on. It is, we eat nutritionally great, but we can't out health our stress. And so our, our eat our health, uh, you know, our stress. And so the biggest things I've been doing is saying like, Hey, I'm feeling really sad today. Like, can we talk or can we whatever? And I am the type of person where, because I was so concerned about looking like this happy go lucky person, I, and I wanted to like have this positive outlet look on life, which is not a bad thing, but sometimes I just, wanted to know and to ask me the questions because I didn't want to go there with the emotions. And now I'm really going there with the emotions. I have a therapist, I reach out to community and I don't think that's weak. Like, I think that's really healthy and I can't wait to see even how my son benefits. I have a two and a half year old, how he benefits because mommy's doing all the hard work during this, during a season of life that has been really heartbreaking for me. And so from talking out my emotions to putting up boundaries and to just doing like really silly things that are like my personality that I don't give a crap what other people think are, are truly what is bringing me back to life. And I'm not perfect at it. You know, I have a large client list load that, and I love my clients and I want to help them. And sometimes I press into that too much in work. Sometimes I, you know, go on Instagram too much. So I'm constantly reevaluating it and trying to do the best that I can. But the point is, is that I'm incredibly aware and I'm very much putting the intentions to completely adjusting that. So although it will never be perfect, it is, it is way better than what it once was. And unfortunately for me, it took a, a second to say like, you know, I think that having a baby is a miracle. I think that there's a faith component you know, I, I believe that in the Lord, me personally. So I believe that there's a faith component to that. But I also think like, if you are not slowing down and learning that, then your body's never going to be healthy. And it took me to get to this state where I'm like, it doesn't matter how much I know if I'm not really able to do those things that make my body rest. I love that reminder. And, um, something that, I mean, you just said like you were you're so heartbroken over it. I can't imagine what that loss felt like. Um, I've had a client who experienced two mis- miscarriages and, um, then she finally got pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And, throughout the first few weeks of her pregnancy, she was just so, um, she felt so crippled and anxious and um, just was fearing like that loss again. So for, I mean, I know you are such a voice for this in this community through your Instagram posts and everything. Um, And I just wanted for women to hear it on the show, like what advice would you give to someone who has gone through it and is looking to try again? Yeah. So um, I have to give a little scripture, whether or not you believe, uh, you know, the Lord or not, it, because listen to these words. Um, so it is, um, it's Romans five, four through six. And again, whether or not that you believe in scripture or not, that's, you know, like, that's not what I'm getting at here, but I think these right. words are really important. It's um, perseverance brings character and character brings hope. And hope does not produce shame because God's love is poured out and, you know, and it kind of goes into that, but it, it, but what I, the biggest part that I, I love is that perseverance brings character and character brings hope. And then another way for saying that is endurance. And I, and I, these words have like hit me home. I, the word endurance and hope means so much to me because we will not always get what we hope for. That is just not promised in life. And there's an ability to hope for things to turn out really good, even if that doesn't mean you get exactly what you want. And that doesn't mean that you can't stop asking for that or hoping for that or getting your body to be ready for that. But there is this uh, ability to know that life is more, life will continue on and you can, in the midst of the pain and the heartbreak, you can still find joy and laughter. And, and, you know, you think about a mom that lost their kid or their husband, like Mm. you may, you may always have that part of you that is, that is 
not there, but life moves on and there's ability to endure really well. And when I think about enduring, I don't think of like gritting your teeth. I'm like, oh, I think of like endurance, this character that is being built inside of you and your ability to say like, I have been through hard things in my life and yet I am hopeful for all the good that will come. Even in the season of the wilderness in the valley, it makes me emotional. Even in this hard season, because because there is joy all around you. No, I, I love the, the flower daisies. Like I think about like the daisies and like just the smells of the world. And that may be so simple and, and maybe sound crunchy and weird, but the truth is, is like heartbreak will always happen. And that does, that doesn't make it okay. It just makes it real. And, and you know that everyone has their own story and heartbreak. And if you can persevere and not gritting your teeth, that means persevering and, and, and gaining that endurance means talking to your community, getting a therapist, you know, nourishing yourself well, finding time to have fun, resting, allowing yourself to have all this, you know, the, the circle of grief that, that comes like, that's really what life is about and experiencing. And so I think those would, that would be my words, like nourishment aside, I can talk about that look on my Instagram, but I hope that they hear my heart and, and whatever pain or if it's infertility, if it's, you know, an autoimmune disease, if it's just trying to get your period back, like you're just sick of trying, like that being in that wilderness state, like looking around and by the wilderness, I think of like, you know, desert. I think of like, I just can't see a way out like dark, like that light can come from just seeing the most simple things around you and really just trying to figure out what it's like to have fun. And that, that light brings out hope of like, there is goodness to come and I can be present and still smell the daisies and look around even when I'm heart, heartbroken. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. That really touched me. And I know that someone out there could really benefit from hearing those words. So thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed our conversation here today, Meg. And I think that was the perfect way to wrap up. There is one question that I like to ask my guests that come on because it is the human experience podcast. Um, what makes you human? Oh, I think just being able to feel things in life. I think that yeah, feeling it all is what makes you human and being yeah. adaptable with that. So love I won't it. make that any longer, but I think <laughs> feeling it all. Yeah. I love it. That's perfect. And where can people find you and keep up with you and work with you? Yeah. So, um, my Instagram is just Meg, M E G underscore Langston, L A N G S T O N. I'm sure you'll see it in the, you know, whatever the title, but it's just Meg underscore Langston and my website's MegLangston.com. I have some free PDFs there. I do, you know, uh, the mailing list twice a month to be able to give you just more insight and information. Um, right now I'm completely booked until April, maybe even May for one-on-ones, but, uh, I do offer a rebalance course, which is really just a foundational course to everything I was talking about of learning, you know, all the, you know, supporting foods, supplements, digestion, rest. I even have a, a really light movement challenge in there. And so, um, that would be a really great place to start if you like what you are hearing. Perfect. I will link all of those in the show notes and thank you so much for joining us on the show until next time guys.
I wanted to take a brief moment to chat about the relaunch of The Nourished Method, which is my very own signature course that is 12 weeks long and it's going to look a little bit different this time around. So if you were with me last year, I launched The Nourished Method for the first time ever. Thanks so much to the women who joined and gave me incredible feedback for this round so that things can be new and improved. Things are going to look a little bit different. No weekly calls. Um, I feel like a lot of the women got a lot of the answers that they needed from the course and just communicating with me via messenger and the Facebook community. So that's exactly what we're going to do this time around. We're going to have a private Facebook community where all your questions and concerns are going to be answered. I'll be in there every single day. So it's really no different. Um, the course will be dropped all at once. All 12 weeks of modules will be dropped all at once. You'll have the knowledge, wisdom, and tools that I have literally in this course. Um, you'll get trackers, um, meal plans, uh, supplement guides, um, grocery guides, literally so many things, checklists, like the whole nine yards, guys. I'm not going to leave you out in the dark. I want you to succeed. I'm also teaming up, teaming up with some really awesome women in the field when it comes to movement and meal plans. You'll get set up with that. You'll get the whole works. Um, I'm really excited for this round, you guys. And the early bird special starting on February the 4th is $297, paying full. There's also a payment plan option for that, and the price will go up at the end of the week of the 4th um, to $4.97, so be sure to sign up early and let me know if you have any questions on Instagram. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Experience Podcast. I always appreciate your love via Instagram DMs, so feel free to take a screenshot if you're listening, and be sure to tag me on Instagram. And of course, if you feel called to, I would love, love to see you leave a five-star rating and review so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time.